she's on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. This week on the podcast, I'm so excited because I have my first athlete, Tim Shaw. He played football at Penn State. Then he went to play for the Carolina Panthers, Jacksonville Jaguars, Chicago Bears, and Tennessee Titans. What? And he recently was diagnosed with ALS and has become a spokesperson for ALS and put so much inspiration and awareness to the disease. And it's amazing to hear what he has to say about that. He also has several businesses that everyone must know about, especially if you live in Nashville. One is Hotbox, which is the best way to get a workout in. So get excited. This interview is so great. And I know you're going to love it. Here's Tim Shaw. Hello, Tim. Hey, Caroline. You're sitting here in your lovely house. This is Tim Shaw, everyone. And it's amazing. How long have you been living here? I've lived here for about a little over a year, but I moved from like this ultimate bachelor pad to this family home. So it's, <laughs> it's been a, a cool adjustment. I know. You know, I think the bachelor days are like it's fun to have a bachelor pad but even as we get older like michael and i are thinking about like getting more like beautiful neighborhood oriented a little safer little like more quiet family oriented it feels nice as you grow up you do things like that (laughs) like adulting yeah adulting is not fun (laughs) but it is necessary at times it really at times, I guess it is necessary. Let me check our levels here. Okay. I think we got this dialed in, Tim. Um, so how has adulting been? How old are you? I'm 31. 30 wonderful. Yeah, 30 wonderful. Not for too much longer. A couple of months, I'll be 30. Terrific. 30 <laughs> terrific. <laughs> yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. Is that what you are going to say? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm 30 terrific right now. Yeah. Yep. It's been a good year. 30, 30 she's good. The 30s have been like... Real life. I think the 30s are underrated. Yeah. I think people glorify the 20s, but think about all the mistakes we made in the 20s. I was an idiot in the 20s. I'm just now becoming halfway logical in my head. Right. So the 30s are, I think, I'm excited. 30, 31 have been great. 32 can only be better. Uh huh. Yeah. And then you have 30. Tremendous, three Mendes to look forward to, and 30, 33 Mendes is the one I'm turning, July 30th. My girlfriend comes up with all these catchphrases. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll look for your calendar that's coming <laughs> out with all the dates on So what have you liked most about the 30s? I've really liked transitioning from an athlete to a businessman. It's, mm-hmm. it's been really fun and, and challenging. Um, and almost creating a, a new identity for myself. So tell me about it. What was your original identity and what is your identity now? Well, it's funny. Identity is something that I've struggled with a lot. I think when you grow up as an athlete and you have success and success 
to the NFL, uh, it really defines you and, and everything you do revolves around that life of being a professional athlete. Everything. So regardless of whether you want to be or not, it essentially is your identity. 100%. And because it's so, all you've ever known. Yeah, and it's it's something that I fought. You know, I didn't want to be just that. I didn't want to be labeled as that or pigeonholed or any of those things. But it really was such a huge part of who I was. So it's been really cool to, you know, it's been difficult to leave that life. But also really great to realize, hey, there is more to life. There is... Um, it doesn't go downhill after the NFL. Yeah. Life can get better and more enriching, more fulfilling, things like that. So what have you found to be more the most enriching that you have experienced post-NFL? Well, when I talk about enriching, it usually involves other people rather than just making my life better. It means making other people's lives better. So for me, that's really involved... Um, not only giving money, but giving time mm -hmm. to certain efforts and uh, organizations. And I'm really excited about an organization that I'm a part of right now what? that we're starting. Um, it's called Veritas Elite, and it's a, a performance company that is going to um, impact youth through sports performance. Okay. So just using um, people who are excellent excellent physical trainers um to influence kids that way and and just be good role models and to um be mentors and, and teach leadership and things like that so i'm excited about that we just started in 2016 how did you get this going i met these two guys these two trainers that are just infectious and they're so good at what they do yeah and i was thinking how can i come alongside and enhance what these guys do so i'm able to bring some some business acumen and some money um to help get the program going um and just watch these guys do their thing with the kids okay because yeah. you also have a football camp Yes. So I you're agree. super busy and super giving back, which I love about you. I've noticed in all the interviews I've read about you, you love spreading joy to others. I think... Not I many mean, people are like that, well, Tim. Well, Caroline, listen, this is something that needs to change because I think you say a lot of people aren't like that. Here's what I believe. They aren't like that because they don't understand how it enhances their own life to go out and impact other people. So when you do something, you know, quote unquote, charity work or, you know, a mission trip, those things, they, they sound really, um, really religious or, or really like goody, but, but they're not. They're, what they are is they're impactful on not only other people, but therefore they impact you. And so every time I've left a mission trip or every time I've done a service project, you think, oh, I'm going to go and do good for these people. But you walk away having enriched your own life way more than you could have impacted the people. You're like, the way you feel, the things that you learn, the perspective that you gain. How do you feel when you do things like that? You, you feel selfless. And 
Um, it's a term that we understand, but it's not a feeling that we experience all the time. Yeah. So you have this feeling of there is so much more, there's so there's so much more important out there than me. Yeah. There's so much bigger of a picture than my life. There's so many people out there who need things more than I need things. So you just feel this sense of of bigger than me and this sense of of goodness in the world. Yeah. And and so my hope would be that you would in a year from now or whenever you would say, you know what, Sam, a lot of people are doing that. Yeah. I know a lot of people who, who live that way and because we're we're out here, we're striving for us, 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 right? Always. And, and I've done the same thing. I've I was I was trying to make as much money as I could and and we do that, right? We we chase things. But in 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 stopping pursuing the money and the, the fame and start pursuing things that impact others and serve others, and your life will be just so much better. And it's hard to it sounds kinda weird. No, when I it say does it, but not. It's so true. It just when? I want people to try it. I want I want people to hear my words and go, No, that's not true. Or just try it one time for me and let me know. And I want you to experience, I want people to experience that feeling of being impactful and, and seeking something that's greater than yourself. When did you stop chasing as much? Like, when did you stop chasing and when did you stop chasing success and fame? When did you really commit to this mindset? It was a slow process for me. I had such a great model of yeah. Who was your model? Well, what I would what I would call a, a model of servanthood. In um, first of all, my parents. Um, my parents are people who, um, you know, blue collar. Father was a teacher, and my mom stayed at home and took care of four boys. Four boys. Oh God bless her. Oh man, yeah, God she's bless a saint. Her, yes. So we're not talking about a, a wealthy family. But they were always showing us how you could give what you have and serve others. They would always loan someone a car. They would always, you know, someone was in town and we didn't even know they needed a place to stay. They would stay at our house. I mean, just constant um, acts of service. So I had that model, but it was it was really in college and in the pros where um, people started to encourage me. Hey, would you come and speak to this group of people? Um, or, hey, I'm going... Speak about uh, what? Well, um, a lot of times it would be speaking about my faith um, and and or speaking about my football experience. And anytime you get a chance to speak to a group of young people, um, you really have to check yourself and say, what do I have that these young people can benefit from? So that's where you start talking about, let me tell them about leadership. Let me tell them about... How did I get to Penn State to play football? How did I get to the NFL? Then you start talking about hard work and things like commitment and dedication. So um, it was in, I think it was speaking that really started me on the path of understanding that I could be impactful to other people. Mm-hmm. And, and that turned into service projects. So um, Habitat for Humanity, one of my favorites, just... The fact that you can go out and a group of people can build a house for someone else in like four weekends blew my mind. I know. So many people just sitting around it's getting amazing. drunk on the weekends. Oh. 
When really you can go change a whole life. Oh, it's amazing. And and people do this all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you if we open our eyes, there are so many opportunities. Um, you don't have to give your life away. You don't have to give all your money away. You just give a little bit of time. Once a week, go to an after-school program. I mean, there are just so many opportunities. So for me, it was the gradual process. And, and I'm not there yet. You know, I, I still like to make money. There's nothing wrong with making no. money. It's, it's about what your, where's your heart at and, and what's your purpose and all those things. So what is your purpose? Man, the greatest question ever asked. I know. Aren't we all trying to narrow that down? Life is a journey of finding purpose. You know, for myself, I know that God put me on this earth. He gave me a lot of gifts and uh, talents and abilities. And for a long time, I thought football was my purpose. I believe it was. But what I more so understand now is I've gotten, you know, pretty wonderful. (laughs) Good job is that football is just something I did to express myself. Mm-hmm. And it was my it was my avenue to be impactful. So my purpose is to positively impact people and more specifically, positively impact them um, to find their own purpose. So I do that through whatever it is that I'm doing. And it was football for a time, you know, and now it's, is business and is speaking as um, serving. So let's talk about football. How did did you grow up playing? Because are you from England? Did you were you raised in England? I was not raised there, but I was You're, born there. That's I was awesome. Born there. Yeah. See, I just mean, one more layer to your cool. You no, know, it's hat. kind of just something you throw out there, like you know, oh, I'm, hey, I'm British. I, oh, by the way, you know the <laughs> queen, like the queen comp, and I. The comp- <laughs> Queen and I get tea, you know. So, you and the queen. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a spot of tea. Can I have a spot of tea? Do we have some tea here? Uh, uh, butler. Butler. <laughs> My butler's on cake right now. So oh, okay. I, I was wait. wondering. We'll wait till later. Okay. Um, He's yeah, on a holiday. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um. So it was. I moved to Michigan, actually, the great okay. state of Michigan. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm trying to just get all up in your neck, Tim. Here you go. <laughs> so I'm, the, I'm a married what, woman, okay? What will the people think when they hear that? <laughs> you know, it, it, you, you got to shut It's a nice neck. <laughs> so, okay. So, I moved to Michigan when I was very young. Okay. And... From England. From England, yeah. So how? Why Michigan? Well, that's where my mother's from. Okay. Yeah, my father's British. My mom's from. So she moved to Britain for love. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That, your dad must be one there's, heck of a man. There's a story in itself. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, us uh, shawmen, we're quite dangerous. I clearly move across the whole country for no, the whole you move across okay. the world. Yeah. For a man. Yeah. Not country. New country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was um, just growing up my, with my brother and I. We loved the game of football for no reason at all. My parents were not athletes. Um, and for some reason, the game really just kind of spoke to you. Yeah, spoke to me. And as a sixth grader, begged my parents to play. And uh, it was, 
I was in love from that point forward. I just, the game was made for me. I just love the physical contact of mm -hmm. it and the, just what was required of you to be great. What is you required know? of you to be great? It's What's required is everything you have. Okay. So you like to give it all to him. Oh my goodness! I, I you don't, don't half-ass this life. I don't know another way, really. And I'm, it's it's one of the things I'm most proud of, my ability to um, commit to something yeah. and give it everything that I have. So that is an amazing trait, by the way. It, it's what it's what I did with football from day one. It was like, as soon as that they showed me, like, hey, this is what it takes. I was like, oh, okay. Sign me I up. Just, I just went and. It was that what it take what it took to be great for me was um, working harder than everyone I saw, and then um, allowing myself to be pushed to limits that I never thought I could reach. So, what happens when you get to those limits and you actually do more than you think you can? How what happens there? What happens is you expand your mind. Because what we do is we limit ourselves. We put, um, we put ceilings or, you know, we put stopping points on. Well, you know, I could never do more than this. Mm -hmm. or I could never do more than that. And the problem with that is, is typically when we put those limits on ourselves, whether I mean, this is life, right? This could be reading. This could be business. This could be, whatever. And but as soon as we put those limits, mm -hmm. then we actually. We, we subconsciously make ourselves live those limits out. That's interesting. It, it's like telling yourself, yeah, you know what, I'll never get into med school. So you might go ahead and try to study for the, the exam, but you, you don't pass it because you've, you've already told yourself, I'm not going to get in, I probably won't. So you study with that in your mind rather than saying, I'm going to get in. And therefore, when you're studying, you're thinking positive, like, I'm a, I need to pass this. I'm blah, 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 blah. Planning ahead. Yeah, and so what's really, the, the human mind is so powerful. We, we convince ourselves, right or wrong. And so for me, it was allowing a coach or a teammate to push me beyond those limits that I had set for myself. And, and understanding, I remember my high school coach, um, he said, you know, he said, Tim, Look around you. You may be the best of what you see, but there's people out there. You know, when you go to college, everybody was the best of their high school. Exactly. So it's it's expanding your mind and and setting new limits and breaking through the the old limits. So when you first felt that, did it feel amazing? Oh, it's it's amazing. Do you get addicted? It's it's an addicting thing. Um, we can become addicted to success or to. Um, even just achieving things, right? That's why people set daily tasks for themselves. It feels good to check off a box like, hey, I did that, I did yep. that. Um, so we can use that in a positive way, right? You become addicted to getting better. Become addicted to improving yourself. Become addicted to helping people. I mean, these are things that can just propel humans to great heights. So you you love football. You discovered it when you were like in fifth grade or whatever. When mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. so then you decide you set this goal. You're going to go to Penn State. Is that a goal you set? Well, it was the goal was to get a college scholarship okay. somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got Penn State. Yeah. And How I was had, that? 
thought we'd say that. Options. You did. Lot, what were your lot, options? Well, of course, you had a lot of options, Tim Shaw. You're a Shaw. I, I, I know how these Shaw men are. <laughs> I mean, as a high school kid, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was a grown man. I mean, like I grew up so fast physically that when I was in high school, I mean, I were you a ladies' I man. No, I mean, it depends who you ask. Okay, okay. But uh, you've always been respectful. Well, of course, <laughs> I'm British. Of course, um, but of course. I feel like we've gotten off track. Here. Okay, we're back on track. Um, because I was so physically um, advanced for my age, um, colleges were very attracted to me because I was already size and speed that they needed so yeah um i had a lot of college options but chose penn state why did you choose penn state penn state was um was different it was far enough from home but not too far it was blue collar it was a very um story program very respected very big kind of all the things i wanted in a college program and I just really was blown away by the people there when I went to visit. So I really I had a blast at Penn State. It was awesome. You love Penn State. Love. And you switched positions. Like you played something at Penn State and then your first college, oh, was not college, was Carolina, right? Well, first in Professional. Pro, yeah, yeah. So what did you play at Penn State? Well, so football is a game where the, the younger you are, the more the coaches will try to find a spot for you and um, I was an athlete so I played running back in high school I played linebacker in high school we both those but every college told me I was going to be a linebacker okay when I got to Penn State I played running back because I thought that's what I wanted to do and I I had some success but then they switched my position while I was there and um, ultimately, I played linebacker, and that, that turned out, it was difficult at the time, but um, it really turned out to be a great thing. Obviously, I played in the pros playing linebacker, so it was definitely a, a positive change. So you went from, so you're now you're a linebacker, you went to Penn State, Carolina Panthers, then you go to what is it, Jacksonville Jaguars, mm-hmm. Chicago Bears, and then Tennessee Titans. Are you changing positions all these teams? No, just changing teams. So You started think, special teams at Titans. Right. So special teams is not a different position. It's just a different phase of the game. Okay. So I think a big misconception about pro sports and the NFL in, in specific is that you go somewhere and you, you stay there for five years and, you know, retire. But a lot of guys jump around teams, yeah. not because they want to. They jump around because one team says you're not good enough or one team says we have somebody we like better or... That's humbling. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. How so, does that feel when that happens? So, I was, I was cut. I mean, I was cut four, four times. How do least. you handle that? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's very humbling, obviously, but it's those are the type of things where they make you just, they really make you check yourself and check your ego, and really, what do you believe in? How bad do you want to play football? Because when 
when the man calls you upstairs and says, Tim, thank you for your time, but we're going to let you go. Um, you know, that's difficult. So you need to really uh, want want to go through it again and, and fight for another chance. So, so you did that four times. I was, yes. Over the course, my first four NFL seasons, I played for four different teams. Gosh, so that's yeah. emotionally exhausting. Oh, man. It but was, was it amazing, too? Well, so playing football in the NFL is an amazing experience. It's When I was a fifth grader, it's what I wanted to do. So to be able to live out your dream from, from childhood is really a special thing. But You're in a special club. Not a, like, Once again, not everyone does that. It's unique. It is unique. It's a very, very small number of people who make it to that level. But with the good comes the bad, and the bad was being cut, moving uh, every year, um, losing friends, you know, going through just the instability of not having any job security and no commitment. So just that that affects life. It affects everything. So I was so committed to being a football player and, and... reaching my potential as an athlete, that it was just never an option for me to stop. So when I got cut, even the third time, it actually just kept making me stronger because after the first time, I got picked back up. And after the second time, I got picked back up. So it made me, I, I knew that I could play this game and I could play it at this level. Yeah. So it just built my confidence. And thank goodness you got cut that finally, last time because you ended up in Nashville. Exactly. Finally brought me to where I belong. and This is where you belong. It is. Yeah, I love it here. And I spent three and a half seasons here playing, which was fantastic and really just enjoyed making Nashville home, getting comfortable here. The people, not just my teammates, but the people in the community had at Cross Point Church. And, oh, amazing. You know, just... I'm jealous that you and Pastor Peter are actually like real friends, aren't you? <laughs> well, you know, we've... He's, he's my celebrity crush. We've gotten together a couple <laughs> times, yeah. He's the coolest person. He is. Which is our now, preacher at I'm, Cross Point Church. I'm a little bit jealous of his hair. Oh, his hair. If I could have that hair, I mean... And his I would style. I would be a movie star, not a football player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hear you. That hair is pretty fantastic. For anyone listening, it's Pastor Pete at Cross Point Church. This is who we're talking about. You'll see. Google his face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Nashville, you got to Nashville. What was your favorite team? Like, where did you have the most fun? Well, I was not in... Every city I played in was fun. Mm -hmm. And every city was a cool city. Charlotte's great city. Oh, it is. Jacksonville, isn't it? yeah, the beach. Yeah. Um, Chicago, just always oh. something going on. They love football so much. But the reason that Tennessee was special in Nashville, people are so nice, but also just to be living down south and to have that southern hospitality with. So awesome. Um, just love to hear. But. So I had a blast because I got comfortable. And that was what made it so fun to to be valued and to be um, a contributing member to the team and to have success. That's what made the game so fun. It's the relationships that you build around you that make it so fun. So 
yeah, I had success on other teams, but it was that camaraderie and, and brotherhood that I built that made Nashville so fun. I know. Do you have any favorite players from the Titans? Like, any besties? Well, oh. actually, by the way, your tattoo, which I was asking about earlier, it's so cool. I've never seen a tattoo like this. Well, It's so all your brothers. I had the idea of just this concept of brother's love and the idea that, you know, brothers are, are made for times of adversity. And, mm-hmm. and so on my arm, I have a tattoo that, that includes... My biological brothers, but also my my brothers from another mother, you know. I so love that. It's this concept that I know these guys always have my back. And whether we're still as close as we were, you know, when we were closest or not, it doesn't matter. It's more so I can look back and say, hey, I know this guy, you know, loves me, has my back, and would do anything for me. If it came down to it, so just... That makes me want to tear yeah. up a little bit. Oh, no, no That's cry- so sweet, No though. crying on the bike. Nope. <laughs> okay, That's such a cry. sweet tattoo, though. And um, to get real, to get really real about it, um, I got this after I was diagnosed with ALS, and I experienced brotherly love in a way that I hadn't prior and when you think about football players, you think about these tough guys, right? Mm-hmm. And not everyone on my arm is a football player, but imagine imagine um, me, a tough football player, quote-unquote. With the sweetest heart. <laughs> With the sweetest heart. Now, I have to tell my best friends the news that I've just been given. How'd you and do that? And so, if I could do it in person, I did it. But most of them were over the phone. And the what I experienced in those conversations was the deepest um, brotherly love that I've ever experienced, which was um, big, strong, scary football players showing me. Is this a big, strong, scary football player calling you right now? This is my brother. <laughs> One of my real brothers. So... That was bad timing by him. Oh, hey, he just wants to be a part of this podcast. Bring him on. So, picture me calling another, you know, intimidating football player and having to tell him that I've just been diagnosed with um, a death sentence and just feel and hear the raw, um, honest emotion and care for me uh, from these guys of even to the point of of weeping and, and sobbing and together, you know. And that's a, a real thing. And there's something that just even blew me away in those moments. Like, man, this is a, this is someone who cares about me so much. Yeah. Um, and so that's what really birthed the idea for this tattoo. So how did you get the news? Um it was a long process of figuring out what was wrong with me, and we've kind of just jumped ahead right in the story, but but it was through a series of events while I was playing football, I knew my body was messed up. Physically, the things that I was doing, I was just starting to struggle with. I'm, I mean, I'm playing football, I'm playing NFL football, but little things like a, a punching of my hand or a, a step of my foot, just didn't feel right. That's it's hard to explain, but 
Uh, this didn't feel right. And I was losing strength. My upper body was kind of getting weaker. And so, long story short, um, the Titans ended up cutting me. My performance kind of dropped a little bit. And I had to keep going to doctors to say, you know, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, um, I finally was diagnosed at Vanderbilt. And the doctor just um, he said, hey, I want you to get a second opinion, but I'm I'm very positive that you have ALS. And at this point, I don't feel like there's like a huge awareness happening. My grandfather had it, so I knew what ALS was. But like, I don't feel like it was like a world conversation at that point. Not at all. If you, this was April 2014, and if you would have walked the streets and said, hey, what's Lou Gehrig's disease? Yeah. Hey, what's ALS? Majority of people would not know. I know. And, and so it's kind of a big part of my story is the timing of ALS becoming challenge. popular. Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, so it was April when I was diagnosed. Well, August, the whole world decides to dump water on their head, right? So, and I'm like, this is this is amazing divine timing that guess what I hadn't I hadn't come public with my my diagnosis yet so it was just really perfect timing yeah so you decided to announce it and you did it on the Titans website right yeah I contacted the Titans and I, there was rumors flying around already so mm-hmm. some of the Titans knew what I was going through I said, hey, let's uh, let's do this right. Let's make a video and and really um, be impactful. And so, you know, for the first time ever, I was trending on Twitter. <laughs> it was pretty wild. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, I got Insta famous, if you will. You're super Insta famous. <laughs> Follow me at T Shaw's Truth. T Shaw's Truth, yes, right. and your website, which is T Shaw's Truth. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I checked it out. It's T. Shaw's truth. <laughs> yeah, because T. Yeah. Shaw speaks the truth. That's right. How do you feel like the ice bucket challenge affected the awareness of ALS? Did Man. it help? Oh, it blew it up in, in such a positive way. The ice bucket challenge was a breath of fresh air to ALS. This, this blows my mind when I think about it, but the disease that we call Lou Gehrig's disease. Lou Gehrig had ALS in 1927 or 29. That's like 75 years ago. It totally. And and nothing had changed in that time. No research? No, I'm exaggerating, but barely. Really? The, 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 the prognosis for someone is still two to five years. In 75 years. Why has there been no research on because it? Because it is very, it's a, it is a, it's not a very common disease, and therefore it's underfunded, and therefore it's nothing, nothing's been done at a at a fast pace at all. Do you feel so, like now there's more research happening? Absolutely. So that that's the, amazing. The biggest impact of the Ice Bucket Challenge was not only awareness, but the awareness that led to money being donated that therefore leads to research being done. So there's more being done in this the last five years than was done in the seventy five years prior. Right? So 
And that's all awareness. And the Asperger Challenge was a huge, huge part of that. Do you feel like it was part of your plan to have this platform? How do you feel about that with God? Because I know you're I, super Christian and I, faithful. Super. You're super you're super Christian. <laughs> Tim true. Shaw hashtag super no. Christian. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag no way. Hashtag faithful. <laughs> faithful dude. Hashtag I wish. Um, I'll tell you what. First and foremost, I don't like it. I don't I don't like that that this is what I'm going through. I actually hate it. And I wish I wasn't going through it. So I wrestle with, is this my purpose? Is this part of my plan? I wrestle with those things. And God and I, you know, we have fights about it. Um, what do you tell God? I tell him I, I don't like it. I tell him to take it back. Go get someone else, you know. Um, because I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to walk this road. But... A big part of me cannot deny the enormity of of my platform and of what ALS has brought and the way that ALS has brought me to the forefront and of being able to speak on it and being able to give a face to a disease that was known as Lou Gehrig's disease for 75 years. Um, now, ALS will never be known as Tim Shaw's disease. Thank God. I don't want it to be. But I know that I have a platform right now to positively impact this disease. And, and people, while I'm going through it, I can impact people. So I hate it, but it, it's, it's here and it's, it's mine for now. Well, and I guess they say, I mean... You know, this life is so temporary. You are being called to use your life in a huge way, which is kind of annoying when you're on Earth, I feel like. You know? It's very annoying. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be used in a huge way. I just want to go eat two pharmacy burgers and, <laughs> you know, drink a beer. So, yeah. It's, um, you don't want to have to be that faithful every day. Life is so short. It is. And, and and I know that better than anyone that I know. And it's hard. The only way to know it, like I know it, is to be going through what I'm going through. And, and it's not fun. It's it's lonely. But, but it gives me perspective and it gives me great purpose. And it allows me to really be impactful. It allows me to make the most of every day. It allows me to really dial into what is most important. It allows me to eliminate a lot of garbage in my life and uh, things that I don't need and things people that I don't need to be messing with and all types of stuff like that. So, so what, what have you dialed in as most important? Most important, number one, is relationships. And who, who am I spending time with? Who am I impacting? And who am I allowing to impact me? So those are first and foremost of, of what is most important. So after that, it's, it's what can I do to be my greatest impact on the world? And, you know, if I'm gone in a year, will I, will I have made the most of 
of uh, what I've been given. So it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I can't take a vacation, or it doesn't mean I can't take a nap. It just means that if I do those things, make that make that be the priority for that day, and say, you know what, I'm, you know what, I need a nap. I just need a nap. Yeah. So what? It doesn't mean I'm being lazy. Um, and then you know what? When it's time to go and serve someone, go and serve someone, and and really just being a, a in tune to doing the things that are important and. For me, it's really almost more so of eliminating things that are not important. What have you um, cut out? Well, um, going back to the relationship thing, there's there's a lot of relationships in our lives that are, are not beneficial either way. And we waste a lot of time. Someone wants to get lunch or coffee and if you know that they're a toxic person and you know that you can't help them, it might not be worth your time. Um, there's someone, you know, it's, it's just a matter of choosing the best option versus, uh, oh, okay, well, I may as well do that. No, if, if that's not what you're supposed to do, don't do it. I, um, it's easier for me to say that than a lot of people, but I know a lot of people who spend a lot of their time Doing things that they would rather not do. Why do and people do that? Why do we as humans do that? Reasons, a lot of different reasons, but you might feel obligated. You might not want to hurt someone's feelings. You might um, be trying to do someone a favor. We have endless reasons. It's easier to say yes than to say no. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? You just don't know what's most important. Or you're not in tune with what you really should be doing. So do you feel like over through football through and now through ALS, do you feel like you have gotten really self-aware? I am so self-aware. What does that mean for you? Well, number one is physically. I'm self-aware of, of every movement I make. ALS has forced me to slow down and contemplate before I do anything. And that includes getting up out of this chair. I'm going to have to figure out how to get that done. So, number one, I'm self-aware of that. But also, it has really made me, forced me to evaluate my time and my energy. So, what am I spending my thoughts on? What am I putting into my brain? And then, who am I spending my time with? So, I'm just so aware of, of what I want and what I need and what is most important. Because... I am not under the illusion that the world is under, which is we have time. So it's a blessing in disguise. Oh, it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. Now you pay the price for it, but it's a blessing. And uh, and for everyone who's listening right now, if, if there's something that you would really, that you know you're supposed to do, but you haven't done it because you're saying, I know I have time. You're lying to yourself. You're fooling yourself because you don't know. And just because it hasn't happened to you, you've seen it happen to others where life gets cut short. And so this is not a, you know, it's not a negative mindset. It's not a morbid mindset. It's a mindset of if it's most important to you, do it right now. Why not? If it's not most important to you, then don't do it right now. I mean, it's, it's plain and simple in that way. And it's not as easy as I'm making it sound, but 
if your husband says, you are the most important person to me, but then he constantly chooses to spend time with someone else over you, then, then you're not most important. And, and that's my point of what you're doing. What you choose to do at that moment should be the most important thing. And it's a difficult way to live. It's a difficult thing to get yourself to that point. But I'm at, I'm at that point. I'm, I'm sitting here right now talking to you because that's what I deem most important. I'm not doing it as a favor to you. I'm not. It's right now is what I deem most important to do. And um, so I'm going to say no to things that are not. Let's say even good things. Here's, here's where we get caught up, right? There's so many good things. We have so many good options that we can do. It's okay to say no to something that's good. When someone wants you to come and play a song at their charity event, what's a good event? But you know what? Your mission is over here. Maybe your mission is, no, that's not my charity. So it's like, it's nothing wrong with saying no to something. You know what your mission is, and you go down that path. So it's, it's uh, my mindset has totally changed. I mean, I, What is your, your mindset is just what is most important to you. Yeah. Do you and, have like a, a, a motto, a Tim Shaw motto, like a life motto? I don't. I don't. I don't want, uh, one thing I don't want to come across is that it's what is most important to me. It means that it's a selfish motto because when you, a lot of times, what's most important to me is doing something for someone else, right? So um, it could look very selfish or it could look very outward focused, which is what I really want um, people to try to get their lives to be is outward focused. and. Um, so for me, it's, hey, what is most important? And right now, the point of, of me talking with you is, I think there's some things, I pray that there are some things that I might say that's, that might impact someone. And, and this is a great avenue to, to have them here. Now I'm going to say something and tell me, you might think I'm crazy, but do you think you are kind of like a prophet? You know, like one of those chosen people who was called to this earth to really enlighten people. Because you have always been that in my mind, like a beacon of light. And you've been faithful, but you're never pushy. You know, like so many people who are super faithful, shove it down your throat. And the last thing you want to do is believe what they believe. You know, you have always been this beacon of faith. And I don't know, just of like a bigger picture. And now you have this big platform like. I wonder if you are a modern-day prophet. Well, well, thank you, first of all. But, I mean, the answer is no. I've never, <laughs> I've never thought that. I've, I've always known this. I have always known this from, from high school on, is that, that God has given me um, a platform. And he's given me the abilities ability to communicate so the combination of of my platform and the ability to communicate I've really felt a responsibility to to um, shine a light like you've said and to me what that means is I want people to see who I am and how I'm living 
I don't need to preach. I don't need to um, shove any religion or or anything or shove an agenda. I just want people to see the way I'm living. I want them to say, man, I want to live like that. Or, man, wh why does he live like that? Or why is he different? Why is he, what is this stuff he's talking about? So I just believe that people are most willing to listen when you know, when they know you care about them, when they know that you're not trying to change them or, you know, tell them they're wrong. Because guess what? I, I'm wrong a lot also. And I'm, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've done a lot of wrong things, but Ultimately, we're here to love people. We're here to impact people. So, um, I'm not a prophet. I don't think so. You're the closest thing to one I've ever well, met in real life. Sweet of you to say. Maybe Pastor Pete, too. Oh, yeah. Y'all, too, go neck and neck. He might be more of a prophet than me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a close call. Okay, so let's talk about your businesses. Because yeah. you are a businessman. Yeah, I love it. Hotbox. Which yes. that is thriving. Yes. Everyone in Nashville I know goes there. So Hotbox Fitness is the coolest, most badass kickboxing workout you're gonna get in Nashville. I'm still and too scared to try. I know. I'm gonna do it. Listen, you need you'll the problem is you'll get addicted to it. Okay. So I mean it's just you know what it is? It's a place where People go and they just feel comfortable being themselves, right? The, the the group of people that work out there are just like family, and um, it's just such a warm and, and inviting environment. And so I physically cannot take a hot box class anymore. My, my body won't do it, but I love to just go in there. Yeah. Because the energy is great, and um, I love the staff that work there. It's just it's a cool place to be, and, and people are in there getting healthy. Which is awesome. Yeah. You also own a, a co-own a music venue? Well, the music menu failed. Oh. So listen, I'm not the best businessman in the world, okay? <laughs> I've had some failures. Um, I I was a part owner of 12th and Porter for a while. I didn't know it was 12th and Porter. Yeah, yeah. Is 12th was and Porter it, no more? No, it's, it's going to reopen here shortly. Okay. Yeah. That's a, If you're going to own a venue, yeah. that's the one to go for. Yeah, well, you know, we, we tried a restaurant in there and it just didn't go well but uh so hey we all have failures okay. here and there well i don't really think it counts as i really don't believe in failures anymore i used to think failure was a real thing but i kind of think it's just a way to redirect your course absolutely absolutely it redirected my money too so <laughs> if i down the toilet <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, well, those musicians' lifestyle, you know? Yeah, you know, debauchery. You, you can't rely on those musicians. musicians. Yeah, oh, they're well. all just terrible. But uh, I have a another a couple, a couple other businesses. What are I, they? The one that I think I want the world to know about is called Music City Loft. Music City Loft. That's right. Okay. And Music City Loft is their condos, their vacation rentals, downtown Nashville, Fourth nice. and Church. Okay, so baller and, spot. I mean, yeah. Prime you time. You cannot get a better location. And these condos are just beautiful. They are, you know, exposed brick and, and wood beams in the ceiling and just all really unique and cool. And um, this is where we rent these out on a weekend uh, basis. 
little people come in on, on VRBO. Yeah. And it's just a really, really cool way to come and stay in Nashville. So it's kind of like a bed and breakfast, but way modern and tied in with air. What is that? VRBO. I never can get yeah. that right. VRBO. Or Airbnb and VRBO. They kind of do different websites. So how many do you have? So I have 15. What? Yeah. And are they getting yeah. rented? Oh, yeah. So this is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nashville is great. I mean, Nashville is awesome. The way that people are just experiencing Nashville now, I mean, just the, the growth, the tourism, it's such a cool city huh. to be a part of right now. Just the excitement surrounding our city, right? Nationwide, mm-hmm. people are moving to Nashville. Oh so, my gosh, it's a hot spot. Yeah. So our partner and I um, own them, and she does an amazing job um, running the operation. Just a phenomenal businesswoman. And it's just exciting to be a part of the market as it is right now. So. That's awesome. Any other yeah. businesses in your Yeah, name? I do a lot of um, a lot of real estate investing. That's risky business. You're a daredevil. Well, you know, buying yeah. all that stuff. You have to, you have to pick and choose the right spots, and it is risky. But, but in but a Nashville's market, booming. In a market like Nashville, you have to pick pick your good spots, and um, I've. Re- I'll tell you what, here's why I'm good at what I do. I'm so smart that I partner with smart people. <laughs> That's so, a sign of a true genius right know, there. I don't have to be the smartest guy. I don't have to know everything, but I need to partner with someone who does. So I really pat myself on the back for picking great partners, and therefore uh, we work better together. So you love real estate. I do. Have and you always loved it? I have. I have, and... and uh, the NFL had allowed me to experience, you know, purchasing some houses and every time I know when I move or things like that, I kind of was able to start figuring out the markets and, and how it all works. But ultimately, um, you need to surround yourself with smart people. I agree. You need to uh, always get good advice and always um, be thorough in the processes that you're going through. Who has been the greatest influence on your life? Well, that's uh, a question that brings a lot of people to mind. Think about, I spent so much time around my parents, so they've greatly influenced me. Just one of those things like little by little, every day, every day, every day. So such great examples of of, um, humans who just want to serve others and, and do right. Um, and then in football, I've had a couple of great, great mentors and, and great men who have taught me that there's more to life than football. These are guys like Reggie Pleasant. He was a Titans chaplain for 17 years. Um, and just there's guys like that who I can look back over my life and say, man, these people cared about me enough to, to tell me that there's more than football. You wear two different color shoes quite often. What is the reason for this? Tennis shoes and dress shoes, I noticed. Like, I saw you all spiffy in a suit. Not today. I saw you all spiffy, though, in a suit, and you had on a black and a brown one. Uh, 
That takes some balls. That was the ballsiest one I've ever done. I loved it. And I'll tell you what, this grandmother that I met at the wedding, <laughs> where I was wearing those. She was she, after she, you? She, she did not appreciate that. Oh, she didn't? No, she said, what? What What happened here? I said, don't you like it? She said, no. No. She don't care. She's so, going to tell you. I'll tell you what. Number one, I like to be different. I like to just, so that's something simple. I can say, you know what, I'm different. And that's kind of my way I say, hey, I'm promoting diversity, right? Y'all should be different. But I really believe we should all just, you know what, be yourself. Yeah. And don't be afraid to stand out. Stop following the crowd. Stop doing what everyone else is doing. Come on, let's let's be ourselves. Let's be original. You don't have to do something crazy, right? But um, really, it started off as an experiment. I was trying to see if I was an influential person. Like, You're doing am, a little test? Like, am I a trendsetter? <laughs> no, listen, this was years ago. I love it, too. This was five years ago. I love that you are doing that. Yeah. Now, listen, I think people are starting to catch on five years later. <laughs> hey, you, you, You're seeing it happening? Yeah, if you go, yeah, you'll see it more and more. Okay. So when you see that, I'm not saying I started it, but... I think you might have. I might have. So, and I think you might be an influential person. I think the verdict is out, and it's come back yes. But I think in the fashion world, I'm not. Oh uh, no, no, you got some, you got some, you're, you got some, uh, you got some swag. Okay, so let me. I want to make sure I've covered all the things I wanted to talk about. Oh, best man Tim, tell me about that. Best man Tim. Oh, well, you're my best man, Tim. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. That was a, uh, it was a, a fundraising effort that just um, hasn't really worked out. So okay. now we're going with the T-Straw Strong. I like that. And you also do a walk Yeah, often. well, the Nashville, I, I'm, there's really a lot of good stuff going on out there. And I want to encourage everyone that find a cause that you can get on board with, right? Then Nashville has the Muscular Dystrophy Association, the ALS Association. I mean, they, they do fundraisers for ALS, so I try to get on board with those and just help them with their efforts they've already got going. Um, just bring my added little oomph to it. So uh -huh. um, those are a couple of things I've jumped on board with. But I would encourage people, you know, find whatever that, that causes that, that you can feel connected to. Um, and, and find something that they're doing and help them out. So you love to travel. You are, like, quite the world traveler. You're kind of a daredevil, too. Where have you gone and where are you going? Oh, and why man. do you love it? And well, then we got to wrap this up in, like, five minutes. All right. I'm trying well, to keep these at an hour. That's good, yeah. Because people get bored after an hour. Wake up. If you guys are asleep, <laughs> uh, please sleep, wake up. Wake up. This is wake up call. No, I think everyone's wide awake. So... I love an adventure. I mean, like, tell me, like, when you did, you know, Amazing Race, oh, that's, like, the okay. stuff that I would just kill for, right? I love that stuff. Like, just show me show me where the cliff is, and I'll jump off, right? It's like, that's the kind of guy I am. And so I've been to Brazil to dig wells. I've been to um, Costa Rica. I've been to Haiti a few times. I mean, I've done all types of cool projects. I've been places to serve. I've been places just for fun. Last year, I went to Australia and New Zealand. I bungee jumped off the Auckland uh, Bridge. I mean, I love that stuff. This year, I'm about to go to 
um, the Super Bowl, actually. I'm about to go to, from there I'm going to Australia again. So I'm going to go to some different parts that I haven't been to yet. And then I'm going to go to Bali Ugh. and Hong Kong. So Amazing. I just love an adventure. I don't have a bucket list. I just, so just show me an opportunity and I'll jump at it. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I, I am. Yeah, I know. I feel like you can either make your own opportunity or you can jump on some something that comes by. So I'm all about just taking advantage of, of what's put in front of me. Yellow. 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 Yeah. Okay. That, you know what? That was that wasn't popular long enough. I love yellow. Like, it fell off too quickly. We need to bring that back. Let's bring it back. Michael says that my husband like every day. Because he's always trying to do stuff that I would probably say no to. But he's like, hey, yellow. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so I want to play a little game with you. Just a oh, few yeah. questions. Just rapid game. fire. It's not really a big game. How much money would it take for you to tongue kiss a monkey? Oh, like $5. <laughs> I know. I mean, I tongue kiss dogs all the time. They're cute. They're cute. You know, when you go to Bali, they have a monkey rainforest. Well, I'm not going to kiss them. <laughs> How would you feel if you're forced to unload an 18-wheeler full of Skittles and organize them by color? And what would your strategy be? Well, I would use a, um, a leaf blower to get them out of the truck. But I would unload them into buckets. And then I would eat all the red ones. <laughs> so that would, like, eliminate one color you didn't have to sort. Yeah, that's a good um, plan. After that, it would really just be... Kind of a, a random guess and check method. Take a lot of patience. <laughs> I wouldn't if, enjoy it though. I'm not. If a movie were to be made about your life, who would play you and why? Well, I think The Rock. The Rock. Oh, nice him. choice. See, listen, I want to be like The Rock. I love yeah. him. Yeah, he's great. Good one. So he's yeah. super positive too. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, and he, if you're if you go by The Rock, you have to be a badass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Leave your light, which is leave some inspiration for us. My light. Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you want, make sure it is the most important thing. I love that. I think I think evaluating what it is you want and what you're doing um, is really, really, really important. I love that, Tim. Thank you for an amazing interview, Tim Shaw. You're the best podcaster ever. Could you tell everybody that? I just did. <laughs> like all the people that can oh, make this a hit? Yeah. Great. Okay, everybody. Endorsed by Tim Shaw. Listen and tune in. Word. Word. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope that you loved hearing from Tim Shaw and you got inspired by his story. Next week is exciting because I have my first fashionista who's joining me, Sarah Davidson. She is a little badass. She opened a store called Kitty, and it is my favorite store in Nashville. It has the cutest clothes, and she's going to talk all about opening a store, running a store, being in the fashion industry in Nashville. And she's also a musician. 
And she was on the Private Lives of Nashville Wives. She's got a lot to talk about. You're going to want to join in and hear that next week on Hyper. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks. Bye, guys.